excited this morning to be able to uh, uh, present the 90-day challenge. And for some of you, you're familiar with that. In fact, I had good news uh, this morning. Uh, already had someone come up and say, uh, I, I already beat you to this. Uh, me and, uh, and another uh, person, we're already started January 1st, and that was exciting to me. Uh, and so perhaps you've already started something like this, but uh, it's just good to be challenged. And we do want to give praise to God for uh, prayed last week for the polos uh, and to uh, be cleared for adoption, and they got that, and so they're excited, right? Yeah, yeah, so uh, we're all excited about that, and Dana's already was asking me for some advice, uh, books to read on parenting, so she's getting refocused on that, and uh, we could all use that kind of encouragement. So, I'm sure, Polos, you guys ready for another challenge, right? You don't have enough challenges in your life. Look at your notes, Uh, because I think when you start with this, trying to be sensitive. Who needs another challenge in their lives right now? I mean, you may be at a point in your life where you're like, I don't need to be challenged anymore. I'm I'm, I'm challenged enough. And you could take that one of two ways also, you know. Uh, But let me uh, give you a couple reasons why we we need a challenge uh, this morning. And the first is there in your notes. Those who are growing need another challenge to avoid coasting. Those who are growing need another challenge to avoid coasting. You would think that people that are already growing, that are already in tune, you know, man, I feel like my life is full in Christ. I'm growing. Why do I need this challenge? This is for somebody that uh, doesn't know Christ or doesn't know where they are in Christ. This is for someone that's struggling. No, no. Those who are growing need another challenge to avoid coasting. Now, why is that? Look in your Bibles to Philippians chapter 3. If there ever was a growing Christian, I would say it was the Apostle Paul. I mean, this guy, every time you read these letters, he's just always growing. You would, your impression of Paul is he had it all together. And yet, read Philippians chapter 3, verses 10 through 16. Philippians 3, verses 10 through 16. The book of Philippians, in relation to Paul, who wrote this book, is kind of like him sharing his life purpose. And we pick up right in the middle of him sharing that, and look at verse 10. Here's kind of Paul's purpose in life. That I may know him. Now just stop right there. That I may know him. You know why you and I need another challenge? Here in 2011, we need to know him. We need to know him. And we're going to talk about in a moment that know there doesn't mean, oh, yeah, I know Jesus is the son of God. I know that he died and he rose and he's coming again. And I have all my doctrine marked off. I know God in an intellectual or educational or even theological sense. But know here means knowing in an intimate personal, relational way, I need to really know God and the power of his resurrection. Oh, yeah, that's Easter. No, the power of his resurrection to be in a in a box and be able to break out of it, to be facing a dead end and know that I can get through it. That's the power of the resurrection. 
to be in bondage to a habitual sin and know that I can break the bonds. The power of the resurrection and the fellowship of his suffering. Now, when we say we want to know Christ, those are two things that we're asking. We're asking, Lord, I want to know the power of your resurrection. Victory! Woohoo! Let's get excited. But I also want to know the fellowships, fellowship of your suffering. That means I don't cut and run when it gets tough in the Christian life. That means I don't just bail out when hard times come. That means I don't back off from the Bible and, and quit going to church just because things are getting a little rough at home or even very rough. It means I want to know the fellowship of your sufferings. Why? Because through the power of your resurrection and the fellowship of your sufferings, I will be conformed to his death. I will die to myself. I will die to sin. If by any means I may attain to the resurrection from the dead. And what he's saying there is I want to be prepared so that when Christ comes, whether that be at the rapture or at my death, Either way, I'm going to come face to face with him. And when I do, I want to not be surprised at who he is. And I don't want him to say, hey, haven't talked to you recently. I want to be able to be ready for that. Now, notice, then he says this. Now, first of all, just 10 and 11, I would say there's a guy that probably doesn't need any spiritual challenge in his life. Would you agree? There's a guy who's not just saying this. He's living it. I don't think he needs a 90-day challenge, but look at what he says in verse 12. Not that I've already attained or am already perfected, but I press on that I may lay hold of that for which Christ Jesus has also laid hold of me. Brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended, but one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward, stretching, reaching longing forward to those things which are ahead, I press toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ. You could write across that, no coasting for me. Growth, yes, but I want to grow more because I haven't arrived. So here's the mark of a mature believer. They never stop growing. They never stop being stretched and stretching themselves to lay hold of all that Christ has laid hold of you. Four, has any of us arrived spiritually? I mean, let's, let's just, let's talk a little bit. Think about it. Have any of us arrived spiritually? Are any of us as mature as we could possibly be? As you look back at 2010, are you looking back and saying, wow, I was just maturity over the top. Time to coast, 2011. I was a little too radical for Christ last year. Better calm it down this year. Are any of us, you know, can any of us say that? The Apostle Paul did. He said, I press on. So who needs a challenge this morning? Those that are growing to avoid coasting. Second group of us who are represented here this morning is this. Those who are coasting need another challenge to stop drifting. Because let's just face it. Some of us are coasting. Now you're saying, Thinking about me. No, I'm not thinking about anyone in particular. Although a shepherd should know his sheep. I mean, you should want me and you should want our pastors to know your spirit. I mean, it would be kind of, it would be kind of piously ignorant of me to stand up and say, oh, I, 
<laughs> I don't know who's coasting here. I don't, I, you know, I don't, I don't, I don't know. Well, I, you know, you ought to kick me out the door. Because a shepherd that doesn't know sheep, not a shepherd. But I'm not thinking of it. I'm just saying the fact is that some who are coasting know when we, I know when I am. Because I coast. I coast, I drift. When I drift, God interrupts that drifting, sometimes very subtly, sometimes very in a true, you know, very, just very, just, just that quiet, still voice that says, stay on this path and it's going to be trouble. But you know what? It's your choice. That kind of, you know, I've learned that the hard way over the long haul of walking with God. He really doesn't make so much decisions for us, though, and yet at the same time, he's constantly drawing us, and I know as a true believer, I can't just keep coasting. So I hope that you can relate a little bit with what I'm talking about. Have you ever had that in your heart? I hope you have, because as believers, you should have that kind of tension in your heart that when I'm coasting, all is not well in my soul, and I know I need to stop. Here's one of the greatest dangers in the Christian life, drifting away from the things of God. Drifting away from the things of God. And the sad part is we blame others for that. Well, it's because of this. Because of my spouse. It's because of my situation at work. It's because of, 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 of other people at church. It, it, it's always someone else. But the reality is there's no one else who can be blamed for me drifting. That's me. I'm as close to God as I choose. And, uh, you know, the old story goes, if, if, if God's far away, uh, you know, who moved? God's not the one pulling back from us. It's we that pull back from him. Uh, turn your Bibles to Hebrews chapter 2. Here's a good warning for coasters. Here's a good warning for coasters. Hebrews chapter 2, verses 1 through 4. Notice what it says. Hebrews chapter 2, verses 1 through 4. Therefore, we must give more earnest heed to the things we have heard, lest we drift away. Now, the things we have heard is, first and foremost, the, the Word of God that we have read, but it's also the sermons that we have, have heard. Uh, we take notes every Sunday here, or there's opportunity to take notes every Sunday here. Uh, we have our website, glenwoodconnection.org, where you can... Uh, get your notes again. You can, uh, and by the way, I think what I'm going to do, at least for my notes that I put up, I, I, just so you know, those of you that go there, I think I'm going to leave the notes not filled out. Uh, and and the, the, the purpose of that is so that you'll listen to the download of the tape so that you will hear the message, not, again, just collect information. So we have a lot of times to give more earnest, a lot of opportunities to give more earnest heed to the things we have heard, lest we drift away. Verse 2, for if the word spoken through angels proved steadfast, and every transgression and disobedience received a just reward. He's talking about the Old Testament. The Old Testament, uh, the law was given through angelic messengers as well as from God himself. But what he's saying is, look, if, if the Old Testament was such that every transgression uh, received a just disobedience, how shall we escape 
if we neglect so great a salvation, which at the first began to be spoken by the Lord and was confirmed to to us by those who heard him. So what he's saying is, look, if the Old Testament, which was delivered in a way that was um, mediated and and just a a distance, God was kind of up here and the word came down here. And if God held held the Old Testament saints accountable for hearing that message and obeying it, how much more when the message we've got, God himself came down and became a man and spoke it. So we have the living word. We shouldn't drift away. Number three, third group. There's some that are not coasting, but actually have drifted. And they are, and you might be far away, farther than you ever dreamed you ever would be. And here's who challenged this morning. Those who are drifting need another challenge to start growing. Those who are drifting need another challenge to start growing. Uh, just turn over a couple chapters in Hebrews. Hebrews chapter 5. And I won't read all of this. Hebrews 5, 12 through 6, 9. Basically what the author of Hebrews is saying is, he's saying the same thing that this whole message is saying. Look, we need to keep growing. We need to keep pressing on. Uh, in, in Hebrews 12, we need to look unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. And what he's doing here in Hebrews 5 and 6 is he's trying to get those who are starting to drift and who are coasting to say, look, you need to get growing because true believers are growing believers. True believers don't drift so far away that they forsake Christ and his church. True believers don't coast forever. Yes, we all have times of of coasting. But they shouldn't be prolonged time. And so here's what he says in verse 12. For though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you again the first principles of the oracles of God, and you have come to need milk and not solid food. For everyone who partakes only of milk, that's the basic things in the Bible, is unskilled in the word of righteousness, for he is a babe. But solid food belongs to those who are of full age, mature people. That is, those who by reason of use have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. In other words, they didn't just read the Bible. They did what we started out this morning talking about. They took the word of God and they used discernment to say, that's wrong, that's right, I should be doing this, I should not be doing this looking at the world, looking at their lives, and having, not always having to run and get advice. Now, there's, you know, you should get wisdom from your shepherds. You should get wisdom from mature believers. But, you know, if you're always asking the same question over and over and over, time, exercise, say, wrong, stop it, right, start doing that. Now, he goes on. And look at verse 7. For the earth which drinks in the rain that often comes upon it and bears herbs useful for those by whom it is cultivated receives blessing from God. But if it bears thorns and briars, it is rejected and near to being cursed, whose end is to be burned. What he's saying is you ought to be fruitful. And that which is not fruitful is cursed and has no life in it. 
I mean, he gets right down and says, let's be honest, if you've been coasting all of 2010, then you didn't bear any fruit in 2010. That means you may be cursed without spiritual life. Now, that's a strong message, but look at what he says in verse 9. But, beloved, I'm not saying this because I hate you. I'm saying this because you are loved by God. You are loved by me. But, beloved, we are confident of better things concerning you. Yes, things that accompany salvation, though we speak in this manner. What he's saying is, I know this sounds tough, and I'm talking about those who are unsaved, but I believe you are saved. And because you are saved, I believe better things of you, the things that accompany salvation, and that is fruit and a desire to be in God's word, a desire to be with God's. So that pretty much covers all of us. Who needs a challenge this morning? (laughs) Okay, three hands and a faint I do. Who needs a challenge this morning? Okay, let's express it. Let's verbalize. Who needs a challenge this morning? I do. All right, all right. Because, you know, I was listening to myself for these last 10 minutes, and it was really good. I was encouraged. And uh, I was afraid there for a moment. I was the only one listening. So, okay, so we're all here. So what's the 90-day challenge? To read attentively every word of the Bible in 90 days for a change. Now, if you take this challenge, how will people respond when you take this challenge? First of all, some will be surprised. You know, some will be surprised. And these, these may be your responses right now to that challenge. The 90-day challenge to read attentively every word of the Bible in 90 days for change. Some will say, surprise, and in this way, haven't you already read it? Haven't you already? Now, I, I have to go over this. I've taught this before, but I will teach this again because it just amazes me that this is a response from Christians. Haven't you already gotten that done? Or haven't you already, you know, I've been there and done that. I've moved on to other books. Oh, my goodness. This from other Christians. This is not the attitude or approach towards God's book you find in the Bible. In fact, one of my favorite passages in all the Bible about uh, studying and reading the Bible is Deuteronomy 17. Deuteronomy 17, 18 through 20 are the instructions God gives for the king of Israel. If anyone's going to be a king of God's people, here is what you need to do. Also it shall be, when he sits on the throne of his kingdom, that he shall write for himself a copy of this law in a book from from the one before the priests, the Levites. What is the copy of this law? Genesis through Deuteronomy. He has to copy by hand the first five books of the Old Testament by hand. And it shall be with him. And he shall read it all the days of his life that he... Now, let's just stop right there. So he's got to make this copy, I guess, on a scroll back then. And then this is a mobile app before there were mobile apps. Okay, he's got to carry it with him at all times is the impression. So it can be with him. So that it's his. And so that he reads it, notice, all the days of his life. That he may learn to fear the Lord his God and be careful to observe all the words of this law and these statutes. That his heart may not be lifted up above his brethren. In other words, the word of God keeps us humble. It splashes our pride. That he may not turn aside from the commandment to the right hand or to the left. 
And there you go. There's a little politicizing. And that's the, that's the sad thing. So many Christians are on the right or the left of the political spectrum, missing the whole point that we are his. We are citizens of heaven. And we shouldn't just be uh, kowtowing one political philosophy in the country. People should hear you at work speaking that which doesn't make sense Republican or as a Democrat. They should be hearing you speaking the wisdom that comes from above so that you're just a little odd. You're an alien, Pastor Bruce preached last week. You're just a little, you're a stranger. Where do you get your view? Oh, I'm glad you asked. Pull out your mobile app and there you go. The word of God. And that he may prolong his days in his kingdom, he and his children in the midst of Israel. Uh, you want to secure your leadership over the long haul? That's what this passage is about. Secure your leadership over the long haul by being in this book. Not only to read it, but to obey it. The Bible is God's word that reveals God's will to us. It's not something we mark off on our to-do list of books to read before we die. Listen, reading the Bible should be like a delicious meal. You can't wait to have it again. The idea of, I read it once and I'm not going to go back, that's crazy. I love Famous Dave's Barbecue. I love Bravo. So when I go there and have a great meal, what you know what I'm doing before I even get the check? I'm thinking about how am I going to come back again? How am I going to come back again? Why? This was so good. I'm coming back for more. That's the way the Word of God is. The Word of God is meat and milk. It's a meal. And you ought to read it and say, wow, that, I, I read the whole Bible. That was so good. I'm going to do it again. That's what this is about. Um, reading the Bible should be like your honeymoon. You can't wait to do it again. It's laughing. You know, better than nothing. Uh, I don't mean to be crass, but listen, I said before, knowing God, what, what did the Bible say? The Bible said Adam knew his wife and they had a child. So what does knowing mean in that context? Well, go ahead and say it. Yeah, intimacy. Thank you, John. The, the, the intimate Sex. They had sex. And they liked it. And it was glorious. And it was wonderful. And they said, oh, okay, we did that once. Let's not do that again. Now, only women laughed at that because men can't even fathom that thought. That thought has never even entered our minds. Now, here's the thing. That's the way the Word of God ought to be. Sad to say, some professing believers will actually respond to taking the 90-day challenge by saying, haven't you already read it? And here's what we should say. Yes, and I hope to read it again and again, just like eating at a great restaurant or having good stuff. Let me tell you, get their attention. You know why you'll get their attention? Because you'll be speaking their language. And yet you'll be relating that to God's word, just as God does. He says, hey, this Now, there's more we can say to that. Surprise. How will people respond when you take the challenge? Some will respond with skepticism. Skepticism. They will say to you, how can you get anything out of it at that rate? Now, you know, many believers know better than to say, hey, you read it once. You don't need to read it again. But this is a common response. Skepticism. How can you get anything out of it at that rate? Here's the point. How can it be meaningful or have any impact reading that much of the Bible at one time or reading it that quickly? Okay, now that's a legitimate question. Some say you should read the Bible like you cook barbecue. How do you cook good barbecue, Bill? Low and slow, low and slow, so that 
really meditate and really get into that. And there's a legitimacy to that. There's a lot in Scripture. In fact, there's a series I, I haven't taught yet that I need to on meditation. There's a lot to be said on meditating on the Bible. And so if, if some of you have already done the 90-day challenge, you're like, okay, uh, I, I still want to read the Word of God. I'm not saying I read the Word of God and I don't want to read anymore, but I don't necessarily want to do the 90-day challenge. Okay, that's fine. I want to meditate. Well, here's a great tool uh, that that um, I'm using for 2011. I'll use this. This is so low, so slow, that you can do this and the 90-day challenge at the same time, and I intend to do that because this will last me. For the whole year, because one of the ch- things about the 90-day challenge is after the 90 days, you have a tendency to think, okay, there, I accomplished that, and then you can lay the Word of God aside, and that's not the goal. And so uh, what the Moravian text, this is way back from the 1700s, Count von Zinzendorf is the leader of the Moravians that started this, and it continues today. If you're familiar with Dietrich Bonhoeffer, he, throughout his whole life, all the way up until he was in the concentration camp, right up to the day of his execution. And all it is is one verse for the whole week. So there's 52 verses. You meditate on that one verse for the whole week. Then there's two verses for each day. So you have a whopping three, uh, two a day with one for the whole week. I don't know, what's that? Two times five, 10, 11 verses for the whole week. 52 weeks with a couple stanzas of hymns in there. Okay, so I don't know, today, I don't know how I can help you any farther than that. Okay, we got 11 verses a week to reading 12 pages a day. Now, if you can't get on board with something today, then I say you are coasting. Amen? All right, some people say, oh, I want to incorporate prayer. Great. First of all, there's no reason why you can't incorporate prayer with the 90-day Bible. There's nothing stopping us from praying except our own self-willed independence, okay? But if you want to incorporate more meditative prayer, then there you go. Take a look at that. You can get it. And this is the journal one. There's smaller ones that you carry in your hip pocket. And uh, the Moravians, you know, they've been around since 1700. I don't, I don't think they have their mobile app up yet. But uh, uh, this one, you, it's meant for meditation. And so I'll be writing in here things that none of your business uh, for God. <laughs> And so you you go for that. I'm telling you, I already got that thing. And and again, uh, I'm a big Bonhoeffer uh, fan. And reading a biography of him, starting off the reading how the day that Hitler took over Germany, the day the very day Luke. How you can God's sovereign. But that's low and slow. But other great meals come from what is called, at least on the Food Channel, the Quick Fire. Quick Fire Challenge there for you that watch Top Chef. This way, food does not overcook and become tough and tasteless. How do you cook a great steak? You don't do it low and slow. You do it hot and fast. And that's what reading the Bible in 90 days does. For it gets you great flavor, great taste, without getting it overcooked. Because here's the reality. Read the Bible. In fact, I don't uh, read the Bible through in a year can be one of the toughest things of all because it goes so slow that you don't see the connections. 
that's one of the greatest, greatest benefits is that in 90 days, you see things you would never see in 365 days. For instance, you'll see repetition between books of the Bible. One of the things that jumped out of me in doing this is the repeated phrase in multiple books of the Bible in the Old Testament, the Lord is good, mercy endures forever. That is implanted in in multiple books, and you'll never see that unless you read through it quickly. Uh, You'll see that Genesis to Kings is one long story. You know, this this disconnected Old Testament is really one big long story from Genesis to Kings. You'll experience Revelation as the final chapter and awesome climax of the whole Bible. You'll read it for what it ought to be, the, the closing chapter of the beginning of a book that began in Genesis. And what's cool about February 1st to May 1st, as we're going to do this February 1st to May 1st, is we'll reach the climax of the Bible that week following Easter. And so we will just, that week of Easter, you will then be right there in the Gospels, right there in the Epistles, climaxing with the book of Revelation. And then let me say this, every reading of every of these 90 days that I've done in the past, and I've done it now uh, two years complete. Um, every day I walk away with one big truth. So I read 12 pages, covered a lot of ground, but I always come away, and, and, and it's the same principle here as in the Moravians. There's something that God's saying to you, and that if you're listening, you'll hear it. Okay, how will people respond when you, some will be surprised, some will be skepticism, some will be shock. Shock. Maybe you were shocked. Wow, 90 days, that's impressive. Here's their point of being shocked. That's a lot of reading. How long does it take? One of the great first questions you'll get is, how long does that take you? Because they're expecting you to say, well, I have to take the morning off from work, and it just takes the whole morning, and, and you know, and I'm dedicated to this, and I don't eat, you know, because I don't have time to prepare meals. Here's the point. The 90-day challenge involves reading 12 pages a day from the 90-day Bible for approximately 45 to 90 minutes. And that 90 minutes, I I haven't met anyone that does that. It's 45 to 60. I just put that in there so that you can calm down. Uh, 45 to 60. Am I right, Terry? Terry's shaking her head. So it takes an hour. Now, some people have done this in the past, would divide up the reading throughout the day. We all read at different speeds. But here's what research. 12 pages a day is the most comfortable amount of text read a day. So 12 pages like if you're reading any other book, 12 pages, very comfortable. 12, and I think I have this in your notes. 12 pages a day in the NIV, thin line, large print Bible, which is about 8,000 words a day, is the same as three and a half pages of the Wall Street Journal, four pages of USA Today, 10 pages of your newspaper. I don't even know if there's 10 pages in the star anymore. 60 pages in People Magazine, about a fourth of the total magazine, and 28 pages, one week's worth reading of Rick Warren's Purpose Listen, we read a lot every day without even thinking about it. Now's a great time to be more intentional about what you do read and why you read it. Can't do it? Don't have the time? Well, listen to this. We watch even more every day. How long is your favorite show on TV? How long? Hour. Okay, 30 minutes to an hour. Hour. Okay, so do you, do you have time to watch it? Well, yeah. Do you make time to watch it? Oh, yeah. I mean, and do you get frustrated when you miss it? 
Well, exactly, because it's like a good meal and good sex. You don't want to miss out, okay? Well, the Word of God is even better. Now, how many Christmas classics watch in December? I know Kirk and I did, but I, how many did you watch? Now, you watch a movie. Look, it's a Wonderful Life is 131 minutes long. Miracle on 34th Street, 94 minutes. Christmas Story, 94 minutes. We watch them from beginning to end in one setting. We get caught up into the story and come to love the characters. We even get the point of the movie by the end of it. Maybe not for the Christmas. I don't know. But it's enjoyable. Did you know that if you wanted to read, listen to this, if you wanted to read one book of the Bible, one book, the whole book from beginning to end, in the same, it, it, it takes the same time, in the same time that it takes to watch It's a Wonderful Life, you could read any book of the Bible except so in the, in, the, in the length of a, your average movie, you could read any book of the Bible from beginning to end except for 12. Only a dozen books of the Bible take longer than watching one classic Christmas. Eleven books of the Bible can be, listen to this, eleven books of the Old Testament can be read in How much time do we spend on email and surfing the net or playing games on Facebook? Listen, here's the thing. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. We're without excuse for why we don't do what we need to do to grow ourselves spiritually. So, how will people respond when you take the challenge? Some surprise, some skepticism, some shock. Number four, Unfortunately, this is the rarest support. Support. There's a novel thought. Someone says, I'm reading the Bible in 90 days, and we encourage them. Wouldn't that be a great thing? And unfortunately, that doesn't happen very often. That's awesome. I'll be praying for you through the process. Here's the point. The vast majority, and, and, and we've done this now, as formally, we've done it two years uh, at our church. 208, 209, and the vast majority of over 30 people who have done this have not received this kind of. No one said, hey, that's awesome that you have that kind of desire and hunger for the word of God. That's a worthy goal to set for yourself at the beginning of the year. I'm impressed. Could I pray for you as you do it? I hope it is spiritually life experience for you. See, the bottom line is we're prone to be negative. Critical. And that's usually how we respond to one another, with negativity and defeat. But that's not what God wants for us uh, towards one another's, uh, toward ourselves or toward one another. So next week, we'll have some people cheer you on and give you some spiritual encouragement. They'll share how they took the challenge, how they did it, and how they were changed. So what's going to be your response to others taking the 90-day challenge? Surprise? Skepticism, shock, or support. So what's going to be your response to the 90-day challenge? Here's what I want to challenge you. Step up. Step up. I want to challenge you to take it to it stretch you. Now, what tools are available for the 90-day challenge? Well, we've got tools. The first is the 90-day challenge, NIV. Uh, so here, here it is, hardbound, it's thin, easy to carry, you can take it anywhere, it's just 
great to do. And I, again, I don't know if they, they, they probably have a mobile app by now. But uh, the point is, it, it can be with you. It's just handy. It's sturdy. I don't mind. Not like your holy Bible that you don't want to get messed up. It just, I mean, this thing still looks pretty pristine. And um, Now, my first reaction to this was, you got to understand as a pastor, I've got dozens of Bible, Bibles, and I read about dozens of Bibles, and I get jaded to new Bibles. So my first thing, this is a gimmick for Zondervan to sell more Bibles and get that NIV out there, which I'm not a fan of. But, uh, but here's the reality. This thing is designed to help you do this. And you've got to have a tool that fits. You know, if you're going to saw, then you need a good saw that fits your hand and has good is going to cut through the wood. Well, that's what this does. Okay? And so, first of all, it's marked for 12 pages a day. So when you read in there, it just you don't have to look. There at the beginning, it says end here, begin here. And so you don't have to have something else. You don't even really need your reading guide. Just every day you open this up, read to the black mark. And some of us talked about in the past, it starts bleeding through. So you get to page eight and you're like, oh, praise God, I can see it. It's coming. It's coming. Oh, it's here. Holy hallelujah. And that's on a bad day when you're not really connected with God. On a good day, you don't even know the black marks there. And before you know it, You've read more than 12 pages a day. Okay, that's a good day. Uh, it's hardbound. It's thin line for easy use and carry. The large print, which is becoming a bigger issue, Jerry, uh, is good. I, I, recently in the past, this, this past couple years, I bought Bibles that I didn't think to open up and look at the print. I was sorely disappointed. It's a sad day. Now, I never could understand. Large print, who wants a large print Bible? I'm beginning to understand who would want that. Uh, no notes to distract or sidetrack to uh, melancholy. So there's nothing more. You're going to want to want no more because you're, God's going to speak to you through this. You're going to want to know more. But the fact is you don't have time to know more. That's for after the 90 days. Have a little piece of paper there. Write down, here's what I want to study after the 90 days because you don't have time to be reading MacArthur's notes as you're reading through this. Okay, You will never make it. You'll know a lot about MacArthur. You won't know the Word of God, having read the Word of God. So that's why this is great. There's no notes. And I will I will read anything. I mean, there there is a few. A poor man says here, or with a different, you know, I mean, I'll read that. And if there was more, I'd read more of it. So thankfully, there's not. It's just the Bible, reading. Okay? And then um, the NIV is a good translation for reading. It's not the only translation for reading, but it's a good one for reading. It flows well, especially in the Old Testament. Great translation for reading, not the best for studying or having every word Greek or Hebrew translated. Okay, so it's not the it's not the best translation for all purposes, but it's a great translation for this. It'll expose you to it, and uh, you'll benefit. So sign up back there. Uh, I'll order them. They'll be here. Uh, if you put down today, they'll be here within two days. They'll, they'll definitely be here before. February 1st, $15, uh, and so uh, Vicki's standing right there. She'll take your money and uh, just sign up, put your name down, put down paid, and uh, her and Jerry will go out to you. Number two, the 90-day challenge reading guide. Let's see, where's the reading guide? There at the back table, so you mark that off. You put your start date February 1st uh, to May 1st, or those who have started already would be January 1st to whatever 
their, their ending date is, and you mark that off. But like I said, once you get into it and you do it every day, it's marked in your, in your uh, Bible. Um, you can listen to the Bible. Number three, the 90-day challenge accountability group. We've done this each year, and it's been very good. Uh, I tried to do this alone, and I couldn't do it alone. I need accountability of the group. It was a huge blessing. And uh, so if you're interested in that, uh, Tuesdays or Thursdays morning for the men at Panera's at Inglewood and in North Oak, and from 6 to 7. So mark down what day would be best for you. Tuesdays would be best, but but if if the majority of you are there on Thursday, then I'll show up on Thursday, and it's just been good. I do a little teaching, give you some inside overview of the Bible. And then you ladies, if you're interested, sign up, ladies. And if there's a facilitator that you say, yeah, I'll facilitate this, uh, then mark down, I'd also facilitate, and we'll help you get going with that. Okay, we end with this, the 90-day challenge commitment. Now, on this commitment card, it says, reading for a change. Yes, I will take the 90-day challenge to read the Bible in 90 days from February 1st to May 1st. Or, because this is a challenge for everybody. Yes, I'll take the 90-day challenge to read the Bible according to a Bible reading plan of my choosing. I'm just going to read for 90 days. You know, I may only read one chapter a day, but I'm going to read for 90 days. A year's too intimidating for me. Uh, Through the whole Bible in 90 days is too much for me, but I will read with our class. I will read read for 90 days according to a plan. Great. Mark that down. Third, Yes, I'll take the 365-day challenge. I'll read the Bible in 365 days. I've got a reading plan, and I'm going to do that starting February 1st, if I haven't already started, the January 31st. And finally, yes, I'll take the 365-day challenge to read the Bible according to a Bible reading plan of my choosing. That means I'll read for the whole year. I won't read through the whole Bible, but I'll read according to a plan. All right, if you can't, and if there's something I've left off, I'll change it for next time. But let me challenge you to take the challenge. Amen? Read God's word. Let's pray. Father, we thank you uh, for the seasons of life because they give us time to do what Paul did. Forget the past. Forget 2010. Forget failures and disappointments. And to press on towards the future. 